Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk Oscar Valdez. We'll look at a certain corner who made the Washington football team. We'll also look at LaMarcus Aldridge's comeback as well. First and foremost, I want to talk a little bit. It's kind of random. So, I don't know what it is with sporting events and people not sitting in the seat they're supposed to be sitting in. So, for instance, um, went to... The Michigan football game, they played Western Michigan uh, on yesterday. They won by 33. And I'm, I go to my seat, and I usually get there about 45 minutes before the game. I want to see how the quarterbacks warm up. I like to watch you know, special teams, see how they look as well. Uh, Michigan had issues with special teams last year and the year before, so I wanted to see how they were going to be this year. And I'm sitting in my seat. About two rows up, there's a gentleman, probably in his 50s, give or take. And... You know, he's chit-chatting with the person behind him, which is fine. That's no problem at all. That's what, you know, people do usually before the games. Well, two people come up to the guy and they say, hey, you know, you're sitting in my seat. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry. So he moves. And where does the guy move? Right next to me. Why is it so hard at sporting events to just sit in the, the seat you're supposed to be sitting in? I don't understand that. And then today, I go to the Cincinnati Reds. And the Detroit Tigers game in Cincinnati. Uh, the Tigers ended up winning 4-1. to one. Um, But today, was it was a weird day. So I'm driving down to Cincinnati. And I get near the stadium. And I'm looking for you know, a parking garage or a parking lot to, to get to. It takes me 25 minutes to find a parking spot. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, the game's going to sell out. Ends up the game wasn't, the attendance wasn't even half full. I was like, alright, whatever. So I find a parking spot in the garage. And I parked next to this white Jeep Cherokee. It's The Jeep Cherokee couldn't be older than probably three or four years old. And I parked my car and I get out. I notice the car is that next to me, that white Jeep Cherokee, is still on. And the person who I thought was driving it was walking away. So I said, excuse me, sir, your car's still on. And he says, oh, don't worry about it. It'll shut itself off. So I'm thinking in my head, it's like, okay, whatever, I did my part. So I'm walking to the stadium, and I go to the right field entrance, and I go through security, and they don't even scan my ticket in, or the people around me, and so I was like, what the hell? I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I go to my seat, and I go to my row, and this dude is with his family. He had his, him, his two kids, and his wife, and he was sitting in my seat. So I said, excuse me, sir, you know, I have seat 21. And he's like, he moves over and I sit down and he says, well, looks like we're going to be partners then. And I just kind of ignored him. I was like, whatever. And, you know, his, the the interesting part is there was nobody to my left and the seat next to my left. So I said, I was being nice. So I said, if nobody claims the seat to my left by the second inning, I'll scoot over to the left, give us some space. So the second inning comes and they're honoring a veteran, things like that. And I get up, just kind of like stretch out, and as I'm moving to the seat next to me on my left that's open, the guy gets mad and like moves five seats over to my right. Just because I was sitting in the right seat and he wasn't. So whatever, I was like brushing the guy off. But again, why can't you just sit in the seat you're signed? I don't understand that. So I leave the stadium, you know, the Reds lost 4-1, to one, and I go to my car, 
And just so happens the guy that owned the white Jeep Cherokee came out when I did. And I start my car and all and I had my windows down. All of a sudden I hear this shit. And then I look over and the guy's car wouldn't start because the car was left on the entire time. I was like, you dumbass. People are so ridiculous these days. All right, we'll go into the topic after I get done talking about that. Oscar Valdez failed a drug test. Why is this a big deal? So Oscar Valdez, he is one of the, I would say, more reckonable fighters in boxing. You know, you're talking about a guy who is 30 years old. He beat uh, Miguel Burchelt to get a title, which was, a, I would say, a few months ago, to be honest with you. He beat Burchelt pretty easily, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think that was big, much of a fight. Um, he's the junior lightweight champion. He's scheduled to fight Robinson Concepto, who's 16-0, on September 10th, headlining a top-ranked card on ESPN, right? The problem is Oscar Valdez fails a drug test. He ended up taking Phenermine, which is a central nervous stimulant, which increases endurance, but it's also listed on the banned substance list by the VADA which both fighters signed up for, for the fight. This fight is happening in Mexico. So they originally suspend Oscar Valdez, which is smart, fine. But then they unsuspend him. The Pasco Yaki Commission basically says what he took is fine. This fight is back on. And there is a ton of boxers who are saying, how can a guy knowingly cheat, get caught, and still be able to fight when there's been multiple fights for cancellations due to drug use that's been banned. I remember uh, Pavotkin, uh, he was supposed to fight Wilder, but he got popped for PEDs. Uh, Jarrell Miller, he's been popped multiple times, has been suspended multiple times, has not fought in a while. David Benavidez got busted for cocaine usage before his fights. He tested positive for that. His fight got called off. But Oscar Valdez, his fight is on. And again, this is a guy, Oscar Valdez, he's undefeated. He's 29-0, 23 KOs, scheduled to fight September 10th, which is next Saturday. He's fighting a guy in Robinson Conchego who's 16-0 with 8 KOs. He's the headliner of the top rank card. So he tests positive and still gets the fight. I don't get that at all. I mean, this is just, I don't know if it's because he is, you know, a native of Mexico and this fights in Mexico. So like the Mexican boxing government didn't want to like let the fans down. So he, they let him fight. And I guess like 17 days after he had a positive test, he took another test and it came back negative. Well, yeah, of course it's going to come back negative. He didn't take it again. And he drank so much water because he's in training, it just flushed out whatever was in his system. So th I think that's so ridiculous that a guy can, can test positive for a banned substance and still get the fight. I don't, I don't get that at all. We'll look at the boxing schedule coming up. Uh, September 11th exhibition. This is a uh, thriller. The fight has been confirmed in for Florida, the state. It's going to be Evander Holyfield versus... Victoria Belfort, 10-round light heavyweight exhibition. Oh, 
Evander Holyfield must really need money. September 25th, that's the Anthony Joshua Alexander Usich card. That's for Joshua's IBF, WBA, WBO heavyweight title fight. That's going to be in the United Kingdom. It's going to be on DAZN. You got October 5th in New York Triller pay-per-view. That's the Teofimo Lopez-George Cambosos Jr. fight. Uh, remember, Teofimo Lopez is coming off tested and positive for COVID-19, so that's why that fight got pushed out. October 9th, Las Vegas pay-per-view. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 for the heavyweight title. You got Jamel Herring, Shakur Stevenson. That's in Atlanta, October 23rd. That's going to be for Herring's WBO Jr. lightweight. And then... A couple other fights along the way. You got, uh, you know, the Oscar Valdez fight, like I mentioned. That's going to be September 10th. Um, we talked about the Holyfield fight. You got Stephen Fulton versus Brandon Figueroa. That's going to be on Showtime September 18th. Gary Antonio Russell is actually on that card, so I actually might watch that fight as well. Uh, Sergio Martinez. God, I can't believe he's still fighting. He's fighting in Spain against Brian Rose. Chris Eubanks Jr. I saw rumors he retired, but I'm not sure if that fight's going to keep going on still. Uh, Liam Smith fights on October 9th. He's going to fight in England. Manuel Navarrete is going to fight October 16th. Um, you know, we mentioned the Jamel Herring fight. Canelo, Caleb Plant, that's November 6th on uh, pay-per-view. Um, they haven't picked the venue yet, so that's interesting to see which venue they pick out for that. But that's what's going on in boxing. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a little NFL. This is an interesting story I found out. So, for people who have followed the NFL for many years, think about this. When was the last white NFL corner you knew of? And I thought about this. I couldn't figure it out. White NFL corner. Now, I don't, I don't care about race, things like that. you know. But, think, but the Washington football team, Troy Apke, just made history with the Washington football team. He is the first white cornerback to make a 53-man roster in 19 years. He's 26 years old from Pittsburgh. He, like I said, he played college football at Penn State, drafted fourth round in the 2018 draft by Washington, he played safety and uh, special teams. He actually beat out Sean Davis for a safety spot and actually played some free safety in 2020 as a starter. He's fast as hell, but he is the first white corner to play in the NFL on the 53-man roster since 2002. That is ridiculous. Like, how does this happen? 2002 like this dude ran he ran in the 4-4s in the 40 yard dash uh, when he was at the combine the big thing about him though when you think about it I mean yes he's making history I'm fine with that that's fine but this is a guy he's 6-1 he played safety so he's played in the secondary which is good he has a career 62 tackles since, like I said, 2020 when he was drafted. Or excuse me, 2018, excuse me. He was a four-star recruit coming out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Goes to Penn State. Plays, 
I mean, he had 111 tackles in college. That's pretty good for safety. It's not too bad. Um, gets drafted fourth round. Ends up taking over for Sean Davis in the secondary. Has career 62 tackles. And this is the first white corner to play in the NFL make the 53-man roster since 2002. Now, did I go back in 2002 to see the last one? No, I couldn't think. People kept saying, well, what about uh, Brett Grimes? Brett Grimes is mixed. I hate to tell all of you that. Um, but I couldn't think of any. It was kind of crazy, like, when you think about it, like how many white corners are in the NFL. Not a lot. So I thought that was an interesting story. Uh, hopefully he does all right. Hopefully he doesn't have any interceptions against my Cowboys. Uh, for people I did not see, also breaking news, Zach Martin, uh, the Cowboys, all-pro offensive guard, tested positive for COVID-19. He will be out this Thursday against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Going to be Connor McGovern starting at guard in his place. Lyle Collins is questionable, the right tackle for the Cowboys as well. There is suspicions of possibly more linemen being out as well. Brandon Knight's already out. He's a backup. The Cowboys are hoping, like the left side, you know, your Connor Williams, your uh, Tyron Smith, and then, of course, Tyler Beattis, the center, uh, don't test positive as well. Zach Martin is vaccinated. Um, just a heads up, people don't know. He uh, lost his taste of smell, and he has, the uh, like, fever. Those are the symptoms he's showing. But, yes, yeah, Zach Martin, all pro, offensive guard for the Cowboys, out this Thursday against Tampa Bay. We'll look at the next story. LaMarcus Aldridge has came out of retirement. Signs a one-year $2.6 million deal with the Brooklyn Nets. After retiring from the NBA just five months ago. Seven-time All-Star. He's 36. He was medically cleared by a number of doctors, including those both independent and Nets-affiliated. So he was cleared to play. This will be his 16th season in the NBA. Remember back in April, he, he wanted to focus on his health. And he wanted to make sure he didn't do anything. He had a heart condition. Um, and then this was his statement that he came back with uh, just a day or two ago. He says, I retired in April based on what I believe was the wisest precautionary decision for my personal health at the time. But further testing and evaluation by several top physicians has convinced the doctors, myself and the Nets, that I'm fully cleared and able to return to the rigors of the NBA. I love my brief time with Brooklyn, and I'm excited to rejoin the team in pursuit of a championship. Now the Nets, for people who don't know, they have decent depth with Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and Paul Millsap now. That's at the four spot. Um, well, Marcus Aldridge's career averaged 19.4 points, 8.2 rebounds, 2 assists per game. He's chasing the uh, the NBA ring, uh, for sure. So, the Nets will have to monitor that. Of course, Marcus Aldridge will have to monitor his health, see what's going on with that. Uh, but that was something positive that uh, I saw, which was nice. You know, hopefully, Lamarcus Aldridge can, you know, continue to play the game he loves. Um, that's one of the things that is good. You want to see that. You want to see guys being able to continue to their dream. We'll finish up with a little baseball stats kind of ending the show. I want to look at the MLB stat leaders, uh, batting leaders. Uh, not all the games are finished today, so this is what they're showing as of right now. 
Got Trey Turner of the LA Dodgers batting 321. Nick Castellanos, 320 of the Reds. Vlad Guerrero, 318. Michael Brantley, 316. And Yuli Gurriel, 314 of the Astros. Home run leader, Shohei Otani, 43 home runs. Salvador Perez, man, what a year he's having for the Royals as a catcher. 40 home runs. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 39. Tatis Jr., 37. Marcus Seaman, Toronto Blue Jays, 35. Jose Abreu, leading Major League Baseball in runs batted in, 103. Rafael Devers, 100. Salvador Perez, 99. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 97. Austin Meadows, silently having a good year in Tampa, 96 runs batted in. Total hits, Vlad Guerrero, 159. Trey Turner, 157. Bo Bichette, 156. David Fletcher, 154. And Cedric Mullins, 154. Starling Marte leads Major League Baseball in stolen base with 42. Whit Murfield, 38. Total wins for a pitcher. Julio Lloris plays for the Dodgers, 16. Adam Wainwright, 14. Kyle Hendricks, 14 for the Cubs. Garrett Cole, 14 for the Yankees. Walker Bueller, 13 for the Dodgers. Earn run average, Walker Bueller, 2.05 ERA. Corbin Burns, 2.27 Milwaukee. Brandon Woodruff, 2.35 Milwaukee. Scherzer, 2.4 Dodgers. Kevin Gossman, 2.52 Giants. Saves, Mark Melikon, 36 for the Padres. Not too bad. Now when we look at the standings in Major League Baseball, Tampa Bay Rays lead the American League East by 7 games over the Yankees. Tampa Bay Rays, 86-51. and 51. Yankees, 78-57. Boston, 7.5 back. Chicago White Sox, 79-58. and 58. They're 10 games up on the Indians, 14.5 up on the Tigers. American League West, Houston Astros, 79-56. and 56. They're 5.5 up on the Seattle Mariners, who are 74-62. and 62. Mariners having a good year for them. Tell you what, that's pretty good. Atlanta Braves lead the National League East, 71-64. and 64. They're a game and a half up on the Phillies. Mets are three back. In the National League Central, the Milwaukee Brewers, 83-54. and 54. They're 10 and a half up on the Reds, 12 and a half up on the Cardinals. In the National League West, going into today, remember this is Sunday, the Dodgers and Giants are tied with 86 wins and 50 losses. Wow. Padres. 14 and a half back. In the wild card, we'll look at that. You have the Yankees, half game up on Boston in the wild card. National League, whoever wins out between Dodgers and Giants, the other one will be at the top in the wild card. And then you got the Padres, game up on the Reds as of right now. Well, this is a short show, but I wanted to make sure we get the episode out. You can like the Facebook page of Good Guy Grant 1. Excuse me, the Good Guy Grant podcast page. Good Guy Grant one is Twitter. So on Facebook, the Good Guy Grant podcast page. Like it. On Twitter, Good Guy Grant one. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the holiday weekend as well. And the start to a new week. Talk to you guys soon.